Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, August 23rd, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Timonini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, I, I hate to start an episode like this. Um, we're going to kind of dispense with the normal formal uh, banter here because we do have some sad news to share. And I really hate the fact that we have to do this so often lately. But yesterday we got more sad news as we learned that the legendary three-time Tony-winning book writer Thomas Meehan had passed away. He survived by his wife. According to the Associated Press, Meehan had been ill for five months and had recently undergone surgery before passing away at his home late Monday night or early Tuesday morning. He was the writer behind some of Broadway's biggest hits, writing the books for Annie, The Producers, Hairspray, for all of which he won or shared a Tony Award. He also wrote the books for things like Bombay Dreams, Young Frankenstein, Crybaby, Elf, Chaplin, and most recently Rocky, amongst many others that were on and off Broadway over the years. The outpouring of love and affection for him was overwhelming on social media as Equity President Kate Schindel, Lin-Manuel Miranda, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Eric Bergen, Michael Feinstein, Hunter Foster, and many, many more shared their memories of either working with him, meeting him, or just performing in things that he had written. His longtime friend and Annie collaborator Martin Charnin told the Associated Press, there's a hole in my heart. It's a gigantic loss, not only to the industry, but also to us. James, though book writers are rarely as celebrated as their composer and lyricist colleagues, Meehan is an underrecognized giant in the theatrical world. And when you think of just the three shows that he won Tony's for, Annie, uh, the producers and Hairspray, can you just imagine how many people both on Broadway, on tours around the world and in regional productions have seen his work? It really is staggering. And even though you're heartbroken that we've lost another legend, especially as we've lost so many in the last few weeks, um, it does give your heart a little bit of goodwill and a little bit of a smile to think at how many people his work has touched over the years and will continue to touch long into the future. I'm so glad you said continue to touch um, because that's the way I really feel about this. I mean, he has given the gift of eternity to everybody and just incredibly quality work. I was fortunate enough to just meet him on one occasion. Everybody, you know, you know, when people pass away, people, everybody brings out their, yeah. their best stories. There, there are no bad, bad stories here, and uh, it's a tremendous loss, but his work lives on, and he'll be dearly missed. Absolutely, and I'm sure that Peter and Michael, if they're both on this weekend or whoever else joins this week on Broadway, will have lots of uh, fond memories to share about him and his career as well. All right, next up, Dear Evan Hansen finds its next two stars— Two, not one, but yes. two. Uh, yeah, yesterday, producer Stacy Mendich announced not one, but two new Evan Hansens. First, following the departure of Ben Platt on November 19th, Noah Galvin, who is best known for starring opposite Martha Plimpton on ABC's The Real O'Neills, will take over the role until mid-January. Then current Barnaby Tucker, Taylor Trench, assumes the role. In addition, it was also announced that nearly the entire cast of the show has extended their contracts through May 2018. Laura Dreyfus, Rachel Bay Jones, Jennifer Laura Thompson, Mike Feist, Michael Park, and Will Roland will remain all the way into May of 2018, while Crystal and Lloyd will exit the show in February. James Trench has been at the top of nearly 
everybody in the theater community's dreamcasting list to replace Platt. He has been seen as a Bach replacement in Wicked, as the original Michael Wormwood in Matilda, as Alex Sharp's alternate in The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. And now, of course, he is in the Tony-winning revival of Hello, Dolly. Ben Platt got the social media love fest going by tweeting pretty much the instant that Michael Paulson from the New York Times tweeted out the news. Uh, he tweeted, quote, I've long prayed we'd see this bona fide genius, all caps, and friend bring his magic to Evan. I cannot wait to see Taylor Trench and dear Evan Hansen. But first, my dear, uncannily brilliant friend Noah Galvin comes in for two months to bring heaven to our laughing guts and tear ducts. It fills my heart with gratitude and pride to see these singular human beings and talents will carry on the Evan legacy. How lucky we are obviously that was not one tweet that was three tweets just in case you were <laughs> counting characters um from there just about everybody even remotely connected with the broadway community tweeted their excitement from taylor trench uh stepping into dear evan hansen's uh, cast so to speak both literally and figuratively um so this was a, a really exciting news i think a lot of people had been looking forward to this and hoping this would happen and uh now it has and it's exciting to see that the original a lot of the original cast is going to be continuing with him into the spring of 2018 it leaves a big question out there that uh what is ben platt doing next i think we should make up things for him to do next uh I think he's going to star in a Star Wars movie. I think that he's going to be Annie in the revival of Annie. <laughs> Tying it back with Thomas Meehan. I like that. Yeah, you, I, who knows? Um, I think Ben Platt's star is obviously on the rise. He's shot some movies uh, before and after um, uh, Dear Evan Hansen started on Broadway. Obviously, he has, the, he has the history of the Pitch Perfect movies. He did that Ricky and the Flash movie with Meryl Streep. Um, you know, so I... I wouldn't be surprised if we see him on the big screen a little bit more in the next few years before we get him back on stage. The Iceman cometh. Maybe he'll do that. <laughs> All right. What's up in the show and casting news? Well, yesterday, writer and star Lisa Lampanelli and producer Rachel Karp announced the final two additions to the cast of the upcoming off-Broadway run of Lampanelli's Stuffed. Joining Lampanelli and the previously announced Nikki Blonsky, late of the Hairspray mer- movie, uh, sticking with the Meehan theme, I guess, today, mm-hmm. uh, will be Marsha Stephanie Blake and Eden Mallon. Both are alums of Orange is the New Black, but Marsha Stephanie Blake was most recently seen at New York Theater Workshop's acclaimed production of Othello, where she played Amelia. Directed by Jackson Gay, Stuff begins previews Thursday, October 5th, and will officially open on October 19th at the West Side Theater. In other showing and casting-ish news, we learned that a collection of former Mad TV alums with some other comic actors, some Second City alums, would be uniting in Aspen, Colorado to do a pair of developmental performances of a new version of The Mad Show next month. The developmental production will be a part of the fourth annual Aspen Theater Festival, and the new Mad Show will be written by Emmy nominee and Peabody winner Rich Tallarico with music by TJ Shanoff, and will feature the talents of Mad TV alum and former Broadway Elphaba Nicole Parker. I can't imagine there's a ton of Mad TV alums that also played Elphaba. We also obviously have an SNL Alphaba as well. But anyway, now, James, of course, there was a previous version of The Mad Show that ran off Broadway back in 1966. It featured sketches and parody songs. And in that original cast 
were some pretty big heavy hitters. Linda Lavin, Joanne Worley, eventual Tony winner Paul Sand, stage and screen star Richard Libertini, and McIntyre uh, Dixon. The music for that show was written by none other than Mary Rogers and featured a handful of lyricists. One song called The Boy From which was a parody of the girl from Ipanema, was first credited to Esteban Rionito and then by Nam de Plume. James, do you know who Esteban Rionito actually was? No. It was none other than Stephen Sondheim. I guess Esteban Rionito is a translation of the German um, version of his name, then translated into Spanish. So there you go. It's a good song. I hear it on Sirius XM occasionally. So um, this will be interesting to see if this kind of joins you know, the off-Broadway things of like Musical the Musical, Forbidden Broadway, obviously Spamilton, um, a lot of those kind of silly parody shows that seem to do pretty well off-Broadway down in the village and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how this one progresses and if it actually does make a move to New York at some point. Let's get back to Theater Aspen for a second. Uh, our good friend, uh, friend of the friend of the pod, Paige Price, was the artistic director until mm. she went down to Philadelphia. Do you know who the current artistic director of Theater Aspen is? I do. It is a man named Marcus Potter. Friend of the pod. Oh, really? Is he a friend of the pod as well? I knew his name was familiar. Yes, friend of the pod. Uh, has tweeted at us a number of times. Uh, and uh, tra- tra- I think we've traded emails with Marcus, but I'm sure... Uh, that he has listened in the past uh, because we've had quite a few engagements with him about it. Cool. All right. Village Voice to cease print publication. This was just a matter of time, right? Well, yeah, kind of. There's been a lot of changes going over at the Village Voice. But earlier yesterday, the Village Voice announced that it will end its free weekly print edition. The announcement comes following a series of changes to the newspaper after the brand was taken over by Peter Barbie in fall of 2015. He explains, quote, this decision will allow us to move forward more freely in our pursuit of all those avenues so that the Village Voice brand is not just once again viable, but vital. James, the Village Voice is a... uh, I mean, it's a it's a staple. It's won three Pulitzer Prizes, a National Press Foundation Award, and many, many other journalistic awards. But it's also a unique voice in the reporting and opinion of uh, arts and culture and music and specifically theater. So I know for many people, not only in and around the theater community, but just in New York at, at large – This is a huge loss. Um, Obviously, the Village Voice's Michael Musto is going to be one of the rotating panelists on Theater Talk. So we'll still see him uh, fairly regularly. And obviously, the voice will continue to be online. But um, this is a hit for a lot of people, I think. I saw a lot of people upset about this on social media on uh, on Tuesday. Well, I think they need a better PR person because (laughs) rather than this really boring sentence or two about what they're doing there – they should have stood up and said, we are leading the charge in saving trees. <sighs> uh, I, don't know if that, I don't know if that would have worked, James. Well, you know, there's a lot of other uh, media outlets out there that don't need to be in print. I mean, there is one Broadway world that does Broadway yes. world have a newspaper or a magazine or pamphlet oh, or a leaflet that I don't know about. No, but I'll bring it up to Rob Diamond tomorrow. Um, but no, I think I think you're right. Um, there, there's a way they could have spun this and said, you know, we're going to leave behind the print version of our publication. And here is what we're going to do moving forward to make the Village Voice um, both viable and vital. Again, they didn't really give us much of a 
um, of a vision moving forward. They just kind of gave us some vague generalities about what they would like to do. But um, you're right. I don't know if I would have go the save the trees uh, route, but uh, they very easily could have, uh, you know, kind of explained a little bit more of what the vision was moving forward. Vision moving forward. You know who's mm. got a vision that it's moving forward? I would think that the Shakespeare's Globe Theater does. The Shakespeare's Globe Theater and the artistic director who is? Michelle Terry. What is she doing? Well, in a in an article that came out from the Globe last or from the uh, I'm sorry from uh, the Guardian last week, she talks about the efforts that she's going to make in casting her first season as the new artistic director at Shakespeare's Globe in Stratford upon Avon, and she goes in to talk about, I mean, really just how revolutionary her ideas are when they really shouldn't be. Um, here's what she says. The whole season will be 50-50, and that's not just small parts played by women or small parts played by men. Across the season, the body of work will be equal amounts for female or male. It will be gender-blind, race-blind, and disability-blind. James, it's so funny that, <laughs> to me, you know, we talk about um, equity and, and representation on stage all the time, and then we hear something like this where it's really shocking. It's going to be 50-50. How incredible. And then you think, wait a minute. It's really 50-50 in the world, so this should be the norm that we are getting um, gender parity and gender equality on stage. Now, granted, Shakespeare's plays weren't written for a 50-50 split between men and women. I mean, and you know, when you really think about it, they were written for an entire male acting company, even if all of the the uh, the, the characters weren't uh, male. Um, but this is really a huge step forward, and and hopefully there'll be a leader in some transformational things going on in the theater community across the world, and no pun intended, the globe. Um, but this really should be commonplace by now. And she was on um, one of the NPR uh, broadcasts and talked about, um, you know, exactly what you're saying. This shouldn't be shocking to people because all, the, you know, back in the day, all, you know, all the casts were men and they played women's parts too. So they're going to be women playing men's parts and it's not going to stop at the stage line. It's going to be in uh, backstage producers, directors. Um, in the design staff and everything, they are going to strive to be inclusive. Um, and I think that's a great, great plan for an artistic director. Well, and I think one of the things that makes this something that could work really well with Shakespeare is because, well, w one, it's out of copyright, so you don't have to answer to it in a state or anything like that. But because these roles are so well known, it, you don't have to rely so much on the realism that's associated with even historical figures like Henry V. Um, you know, you can kind of break off because people know these shows so well that you have a little bit more artistic license. I, you know, we recorded um, Tuesday's episode on Tuesday morning, um, actually because I went and saw a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream at a theater here in Orlando, and it was probably three quarters female. Um, uh, both Oberon and Titania were played by women. Uh, a lot of the mechanicals were played by women. Um, so this is not something that really, as you watch it, yes, it's a little different to see, um, you know, couples as, as, as one gender when you're so used to seeing them um, being male-female. But other than that, it really didn't impact the story being told. And I think with Shakespeare and done conscientiously and done intelligently, I don't think that it will have any impact on the, the story being told other than to enhance it further. And it'll give a huge 
um, boost to the efforts to bring equality to the stage. And like you said, backstage to theaters around the world saying, hey, if Shakespeare's Globe can do it, maybe we can try it here, too. That's a very positive note. So let's get out on that one. All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter at BWW Matt and subscribe to Sonic a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. It's Wednesday, halfway through the week. So Matt and I will be back and chat with you tomorrow. Tomorrow.